congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, as we are gathered together here this morning, it is our uh, privilege again to hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. But now, when you heard the text, you thought, well, how much of a gospel is that really? Because it speaks of hating father and mother and so on and, and bearing a cross. And, well, I, I hope and pray that we may see and learn something positive about it. And one of the first questions that I would want to ask, do you know something about cross-bearing? Now, it is a term that is used in the Bible and as the Lord Jesus himself speaks of that as well, I need to uh, labor to explain this to you this morning. But the term cross-bearing itself, it comes out not only in God's Word, but also in our Reformed uh, confessions as well. For instance, we have it in the form of baptism and also in the form of the Lord's Supper. In the form of baptism, we pray, for instance, for our children, that they may daily follow him, joyfully bearing their cross. There is one example. And then in the form of, um, of the Lord's Supper, we pray that we, you and I, that we may take up our cross cheerfully, deny ourselves, and confess our Savior. So there again, you have it about cross-bearing. Now, in our text, the Lord Jesus Christ also speaks about cross-bearing and how it is necessary for each one of us to know something about it and that it is one of the unquestionable trademarks of being a true Christian when you know what it means to bear a cross. And so the Lord Jesus says, and you can read that already in, in Luke 14, verse 27, and whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Some strong words there. But the Lord means it for our good. The question that comes to each one of us this morning and that is, am I a cross-bearing disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, let us consider this matter in the following way. The Lord's call for cross-bearing discipleship. In the first place, the difficulties of such discipleship. Secondly, the implications of such discipleship. And then thirdly, the benefits of such discipleship. Now, congregation, first then, the difficulties leading up to such uh, cross-bearing discipleship. And we need to keep everything in its context, and that is why I began to read um, earlier on in verse 14 already, because the Lord Jesus has just finished telling a parable, a parable of a certain man who made a great supper and invited many people. But, and that is what is striking, all those who were invited had some sort of an excuse not to come. The one had um, married a wife. Another one had bought some oxen. Another one had uh, bought some land. And all of them were reasons to excuse themselves from coming to this supper. So... They simply ignored this invitation. However, the type of attitude 
angered the master very much. And that is what we are told also in this passage, because the master was angry. And then he told his servant as follows, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in there the poor, the maimed, the lame, and the blind. And so it happened. The servants went out and they, they, they invited everyone whom they could possibly meet with. Come, come to the supper. And then when there was still room and still place in that particular hall, it must have been a huge hall, uh, when there was still room, the master said again to his servant, go out, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. In other words, they had to go in the secret little places where people were maybe just, just hanging around. Go to them as well. Invite them into and to the marriage supper. Now with this parable, the Lord Jesus Christ has a message for the people. The people have been invited to the joys of the heavenly kingdom and that is still the case today. The invitations still go out strongly and regularly. The Lord invites you, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, all you who are troubled in any way, come to me. The invitation is there. And that should be strong for each one of us. The Lord has invited me to come to him. To come into the kingdom through repentance of sin and faith in Jesus Christ. And so um, they have been the people that the Lord Jesus spoke to. They have been invited, and, um, but they have ignored the invitation. And he had all kinds of excuses as well uh, for them not to come. And I'm sure they knew very well what it meant when at the end of the parable... When the master was had to say, none of these men who were invited shall taste of my supper. Now, the Lord Jesus is speaking here through this parable and says that all those who have been invited and who rejected it, none of them shall taste of my supper. That is the marriage supper of the Lamb. So the people who first heard the gospel message and the gospel invitation, they would actually lose their great privileges. But then others would come in their place. And that, of course, is the glory of the gospel. God's feast, you see, has been prepared and it would not remain unattended. Those who were initially invited they would ultimately not share in that feast. Others would take their place. So this is then the first thing that the Lord Jesus wants to convey to us, um, to the people as well, and to you and me, by way of this particular parable. Another thing that Jesus wants to say with this parable is this, that there are people who are Christians by name only. They assume that they will automatically inherit the kingdom of heaven. But by their life, they show no interest except in themselves and in their business 
and in their various activities. They do not really take the invitation and the service of the Lord's kingdom seriously. When it is asked of them to give up something for the Lord, they have their excuses ready. Just look at this parable again. The one bought some ground, could not come. The other bought some oxen, could not come. The third married a wife, could not come. And therefore, Jesus concludes the parable by saying that those same people who felt justified to excuse themselves be aware of the consequences. And that is, you shall not taste of my supper. In other words, you will be left out. Two warnings that come to us already by way of this passage. By way of this one simple parable. One, if you refuse the Lord's invitation, the Lord will find others to take your place. And two, if you have the name of being a Christian, but do not take his word and do not take his invitation seriously, you will miss out on the blessings of the kingdom. But now... What follows immediately after this parable is something that is very crucial to understanding what the Lord Jesus is all about here. We read in verse 25 that great multitudes followed Jesus after, he heard, after they heard this parable. And surely, you would think, surely Jesus should be happy that after those people hearing the parable would still be wanting to follow him. And then Jesus, at this point, feels it necessary to give them further instructions on what it really means to follow Jesus. And therefore, turning himself around to face these people, he says with our text words, If any man comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Hmm. What does Jesus mean by that, you might ask? Well, let's listen carefully. Following Jesus and becoming one of his disciples always has consequences. It has consequences. Sometimes rather difficult consequences. There will be struggles. There will be opposition to contend with. As you know, there will be struggles with your own personal sinful flesh. And that in itself already can make it rather difficult to follow Jesus. Jesus does not want to hide this from us, you see. You will need much courage. You will need a good measure of fortitude given to you by the Holy Spirit in this struggle and to overcome such struggles. Because no compromise is possible when we follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Besides that, other difficulties may arise as well. Difficulties such as opposition. Opposition even from your father or mother or wife or husband, children, brothers or sisters. And the Lord Jesus also addresses that in our text because he hints in our text the rise of opposition from one's own family members. 
then it is possible that peace and harmony may depart from house and from home and that your own family members become enemies instead of promoters of your and my spiritual welfare. And pay attention, it is Jesus speaking these words when he says, if any man come to me and hate not. Now, congregation, I must say that many people have stumbled over this verse and have twisted into another kind of meaning. Many people will ask, well, must I then begin hating my father and mother, my wife and children, brothers and sisters, and show myself a follower of Jesus? Is that what is Jesus asking for? No, no, dear people. The Lord Jesus does not tell us to cancel out our duty to love parents, spouse, and family. The prime command of the law remains in force. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus does not give here a license in our text to go ahead and just hate as long as you follow him. What Jesus means here is that love to him and commitment to him and honor to him must come first and foremost with us. Spiritual love goes before natural love. And loving Jesus means hating everything which is against him. When father or mother, for instance, begin to stand between me and Jesus, when husband or wife insist that I do things that are obviously against the will of the Lord Jesus Christ, when brothers or sisters are trying to lead me away from the true service of the Lord, then I will have to stand my ground and I will not allow for any compromise. Then loving my Savior means hating, and this is what Jesus means, hating the deeds of father or mother, husband, wife, brother or sister, if they oppose me in serving the Lord Jesus. Now, the Lord Jesus puts this in very harsh terms, doesn't he? And John Calvin, he says the following, if the love of ourselves, that is, you know, just catering to ourselves, if the love to ourselves hinders us from following Christ, we must fight it courageously. If I'm called to be a follower of the Lord, I may have to break the most loving natural bonds in order that I may be united with Christ, united to his word, and do nothing contrary to his will, then I may not, for the sake of family peace and household tranquility, become disobedient to my Lord and Savior. And again, I dare say, this is from the mouth of the Lord Jesus. Just look at our text. Yes, a peaceful coexistence within the family members is a great blessing. And we all pray for that. And that the Lord may work that beautifully in each of our families. And I would urge you to cultivate it and work on it with all of our strength, dear people. But it must not come at the expense 
of your peace with God through Jesus Christ. The disciples, discipleship to the Lord Jesus Christ could bring on difficulties of various sorts. It brings with it also that I begin to hate what? I begin to hate my own life. And again, the Lord Jesus says this in our text. And with own life, it means everything which gives me sinful pleasure, sinful comforts, sinful enjoyments. Coming to Jesus demands of me that I give it all up. All of it. My sinful pleasures, my sinful comforts, my sinful flesh, my sinful thoughts. I give it all up. I confess it to him and say, Lord, here they are. Forgive me of them. Cleanse me of them. I must therefore be ready to hate everything which would draw me away from Jesus the Savior. Now, dear people, the question comes to each one of us, and I ask myself to, are we ready for such hatred for the sake of being a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you prepared for such a commitment to the Lord Jesus? After all, Jesus says it, and you read of that also in Matthew 10 and verse 37. He that loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Strong words from the Lord Jesus. Well now, with this explanation of such difficult verses behind us, uh, we may begin to understand, therefore, the next verse of our text which is very closely connected to it and follows closely upon it as well when Jesus says, and whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Verse 27. This brings us to my second point, the implication of such discipleship. What are the implications of, of following the Lord Jesus? Cross-bearing. Well, we might at times say of someone, he or she has a heavy cross to bear. And when such a person perhaps has been sick for a long time, or perhaps been unable to move, or perhaps completely dependent upon others, we say, oh, poor soul, he or she has such a cross to bear, doesn't he? To us then, often, cross-bearers seem to be people who are terminally ill, the poor, the tried, those who are sorrowing the loss of loved ones, and all those who have other heavy burdens to bear in their life. But that is not cross-bearing, according to the Lord Jesus. This is not what the Lord Jesus means by cross-bearing. Sickness, sorrow, poverty, childlessness, cares, burdens, we have them in common with all the people in this world. But the cross-bearing that Jesus speaks of here in our text, and the cross that he tells us to bear, is a different kind of cross. Well, what kind of cross is that, you might ask? Well, Listen again carefully because the Lord Jesus makes it clear in other passages. It is everything 
which you and I suffer for the faith in Jesus Christ and for my obedience in his service. It is the cross that is set before me as I enter into true fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ through the new birth and conversion from sin. It is the cross of discipleship which exposes me to possible mental and physical hardships which others will impose upon me. It is the cross, you see, which exposes me to possible slanders, put-downs, mockery, snubbings, or just plain ill-treatment. This cross might be a loss of a good position and of a, of a good income. It might even mean persecution. And we come closer, as we come closer to the end times, jail or threats of death even, cross-bearing, in the name of Jesus Christ. And then the Lord Jesus says, whoever will not bear this kind of cross when called to, so Jesus says in our text, and come after me, he cannot be my disciple. And with those words, Jesus confronted the multitude who were following him after he had spoken to them about the invitations to this great supper. Coming to this great supper is by invitation, but it means first coming to Jesus, even in the face of much opposition and taking up the cross and becoming his disciple and following him. And there are people, becoming a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ and following the Lord Jesus Christ in a way of cross-bearing is not an easy task. And there are people, I'm not saying this to discourage any of you, but I'm saying this based on Scripture itself in order to make us stop and think about it very, very seriously. Anyone, anyone who tells you that all you need to do is just, just accept Jesus and go on your way in happy wonderland is deceiving you. Much of North American evangelism, sad to say, is that way. Accept Jesus and your problems are solved. Let us be cautious when we hear such things. Yes, definitely, the Lord Jesus Christ wants us to follow Him. He wants us to be His disciple. But He lets us know right at the very start already that at the same time that you and I will be called to cross-bearing discipleship. And that cross, that cross may come in various forms. It may come in various severities. Today, it might be that you've lost your best friend because you want to follow Jesus. Tomorrow, it might be the loss of some good customers because you feel that you need to act Christian and speak Christian in every way. Later on, it might even be the loss of your job, even imprisonment, even death. In the history of the church, we know it well enough. You can read how cross-bearing could at times become very, very difficult. 
And when you read of some of the persecutions in Afghanistan, for instance, that's a heavy cross to bear. And yet, the Lord upholds them. Persecution, martyrdom, banishment, death, the 16th, the 17th, and the 18th centuries, all you need to do is just read about it. Then the followers of the Lord Jesus, they did not run away from the cross, but they took it up and they carried it. And they did so in sheer love for their Savior. Even as one stood on the stakes and at the stakes and the fire was burning, all he could say is, I love my Savior, Jesus Christ. And beloved, these are the kind of followers that the Lord Jesus wants as his disciples. And therefore he tells us, you and me as well, whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Becoming a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ becoming, means becoming a disciple of the Savior, you see. The Savior who himself once was willing to take up his cross, you see, and who became the very inst- which became the very instrument of his personal death. And so are you prepared for discipleship? Are you willing to lose all in order to follow him? In verse 33 of our text chapter, Jesus lays it on the line for us once more. Whoever he be of you that forsakes not all that he has, he cannot be my disciple. In other words, the Lord Jesus is repeating, repeating what he wants to emphasize so strongly this morning as well. This is cross-bearing their people. This is why it is so important for you and for me to think about this. Today, the Lord Jesus Christ is busy calling you to confess yourself to be a disciple of him, to deny yourselves and to confess his name and his name alone. In other words, to take up your cross and to carry it after him, following him. Now, you'll need to pray for grace for this. Because without grace, we can't do it. In fact, we'll excuse ourselves. We need reviving grace in order to confess Jesus Christ believingly and confidently. And if nothing of this cross-bearing can be seen on us, then the Lord Jesus tells us, you cannot be my disciple. Then obviously it is not well with us. And so, can the cross of discipleship be seen on you and on me can it be detected amongst us you are called dear people to take up this cross and to bear it cheerfully even you are called to follow the Lord Jesus Christ and that is obeying his word denying yourself confessing his name and doing his will and besides that It is crucial also that today you will take up that cross. Today. That means that you cannot procrastinate because procrastinate makes it easier for you to find some excuse. Because if you do not learn to carry your cross today, when will you learn it? 
well, when will you learn it? And listen to how serious the Lord Jesus Christ is in all of this. In other parts of the word of God, he says something similar to the words of our text, but with the added urgency. And again, it is the Lord Jesus who is repeating these words. Matthew 16, 24 and 25. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. And therefore, I must speak to you in the last place yet about the benefits of cross-bearing. And dear people, cross-bearing can in fact be a great benefit to you and to me. Great spiritual benefit. Remember, the words of our text are spoken by the Lord Jesus, the Savior, who always has the best in mind for you and for me. Yes, the cross that you have to take up and carry it will remain a cross. But through Jesus' empowering spirit and through Jesus' empowering work in you, you will be given to carry it how? Cheerfully. Why? Because by taking it up and carrying that cross after the Lord Jesus, you will experience that loving communion And that warm fellowship that, as it were, flows from the Lord Jesus Christ into your own heart and soul. He promises to be near you, to be close to you. There's yet another benefit in cross-bearing. It is this. If your cross-bearing amounts to persecution of kinds, it may even be considered an honor to be able to do so. And again, the words of the Lord Jesus. Blessed are they who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets who were before you. Again, words of the Lord Jesus. And so, yes, considered on its own, cross-bearing is not fun. But with our eyes focused upon the Lord Jesus Christ and our heart focused upon the promises that he brings through his word, we will be given to do some cheerful cross-bearing, in fact, even. And dear people, when you learn, therefore, to carry your cross that way, you will never be far from the Lord Jesus Christ. And only those who shy away or have excuses from cross-bearing will distance themselves purposely from Him. But if you learn cheerfully to carry your cross, you will actually have the smile of the Lord's favor upon you. And this is why we can also read of the Apostles who were also doing some cross-bearing as well, as recorded for us in Acts 5, that they were able to rejoice that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Oh, the Lord, he, he has promised us a rich reward to any who are his faithful followers. 
here on earth. They will have fellowship in his suffering. But one day, they will be raised and exalted with him. A most glorious benefit, therefore, of cross-bearing. Now, congregation, cross-bearing discipleship has been set before you this hour. And as I hope you are convinced of it, it is, it is found in our confessions and in the word of the Lord. And it is heard from the mouth of the Lord Jesus himself. Do you know something about it personally and experientially? Perhaps you ask, how could I ever become such a cross-bearer and follow Jesus? Well, let me tell you. Jesus calls you to cross-bearing. But when he calls you to cross-bearing, he is also able and willing to make you a cross-bearing follower of him as well. He says, come, follow me. Lord Jesus, here I am. And then you will follow him. And you will allow yourself to be drawn by him, you see. Because, and now catch this for a moment and think about it, what I'm trying to convey to you. Because the Lord Jesus will then lead you out of the city. You will suddenly see him as you are following him. You will suddenly see him bowed down under a heavy wooden cross. His back and his shoulders are ripped up and bleeding. You are following him up to the hill of Calvary. And there you are forced to stop because that cross which Jesus or a helper was carrying is now raised up straight. And is ready to take Jesus' life. And once more, in that way, and imagine it in that way, once more, Jesus Christ says to you and to me, where you are, you must now stop following me. Now I must die for your sins. Now I must go it alone. But you, my child, just keep looking at me. Keep your eyes on me. Your sin, my death. My death. Your life. Can you believe him, dear people? Have you fallen in worshiping adoration? At the cross of Christ already. There is where Jesus makes you a disciple. There is where the Holy Spirit makes you a willing and cheerful cross bearer. And so dear people. Through the word we've been led to the cross of Jesus. The Lord Jesus Christ. Is calling us to be followers of him. Are you willing to be a cross-bearer and follow Jesus? Spend time studying this great cross-bearer, the Lord Jesus Christ. 
learn to follow him. You will learn then that in all of your difficulties that come at you and surround you, he will be there to embrace you as well and to give you all and shower you with all the benefits of cross-bearing. Cross-bearing. Jesus Christ calls each one of us to this. Amen. Let us